After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. Journalist and broadcaster Krishnan Guru Murphy began his television career as a presenter of the BBC2 current affairs programme, Def2, before joining Newsround in 1991 for three years. As a part of the BBC Live Events team, Krishnan covered a whole host of national occasions, including the 97 general election and the funeral of Princess Diana. A move to ITN and Channel 4 News in 98 transformed Krishnan into one of Britain's leading news anchors and united him with the great Jon Snow for the Channel 4's nightly news at 7, the post where he has remained ever since. I caught up with the broadcaster to talk rolling news, national events and his hopes for the future. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Krishnan Guru Murphy. Uh, we'll get to the highlights of your career in just a second, but this year has been another eventful year in British politics. Without alluding to your personal stance on Brexit, how would you sum up the event since 2016? It's been bonkers and uh, chaotic and not very impressive to watch. I think, uh, you know, the quality of political debate has risen now, you know, as we get to the, the climax and you're seeing in many ways the House of Commons using all its methods to try and take control of the situation. Uh, but I think since 2016 and before, um, you know, we did not see politics at its finest. And it's, it's been quite hard to cover because... Um, Politics has become very, very controlled and um, politicians don't make themselves as available to the media as they used to. So a lot of the people who hold the most controversial views are very reluctant to be interviewed. They don't like coming on programmes like Channel 4 News. Um, so it's, it's quite tough to cover properly and to hold people to account. But, um, you know, it's... It's relentless as well. It's I exhausting. I can imagine. I can imagine. Why do you think they don't like coming on Channel 4 News? Well, I think they know that we give them quite a hard time and that we're going to ask tough questions and that we're not afraid to, um, to ask awkward questions and that we don't give up easily. Yeah. So we don't just ask them once and then let them, let them off. Uh, we do tend to pursue them. And so... Uh, you know, I think, I think people are reluctant to face that kind of questioning. It's not just us, you know, it's other, other programmes who do our kinds of interviewing who are having the same problem. Okay. Uh, let's go back to the very beginning. You made your presenting debut on BBC Two's current affairs show, Def Two. What did this teach you about the workings of television? Well, I was 18 when I started doing Def Two and I was all set to be a doctor. I was going to medical school. Um, and so I sort of fell into television, not by accident, because I did, I did ask for it. I did, I did apply for uh, some work experience, which led to an audition um, to take over 
a show called Open to Question as a presenter. Um, and I, I loved it, you know, immediately. I mean, I, and, it, and it kind of changed my whole perspective on what my life, what direction my life should take. Because I thought it gave me unique access to people in power, people in the public eye, to ask the kinds of questions that you always want to ask when you're sitting at home yeah. watching the telly. And all of a sudden I could ask those questions of those people. And as I went on and did a little bit more television, did more reporting and more traveling around the world over the next year or two, you know, I realized it also gave me access to people's lives, ordinary people's lives. Um, and I would go to, you know, a far off village in India and people would invite me into their lives and show me their problems. And that, that was very privileged as well. So, you know, you got, you got this uniquely privileged access to both people at the top and ordinary people or people at the bottom in places and countries that you'd never, you'd never get access to those sorts of lives. You know, if you went, went to those countries on holiday, you'd see things, but you'd never get, you know, people invite you in in a very open way when you go and film them yeah. to tell their stories. So uh, it opened my eyes in all sorts of ways. Okay, uh, Like many of our best loved television reporters, you began television career working for BBC Newsround. Why do you think this is a popular route for a TV journalist? I don't know if it's a particularly popular route. I think it's just that Newsround has helped breed a generation of very successful journalists because um, what it is about Newsround is is the back, is the, sort of the start at the basics approach. So when you go to Newsround, you learn very quickly that you can't assume any knowledge in your audience because you're broadcasting to kids. You're broadcasting to eight-year-olds who may not know anything about anything you're talking about. So you've got to explain everything from first principles. So you can't assume that they know what Brexit is, yeah. you know, what, what that means, you know, what the European Union is, what Parliament is. So, and what that means is as a journalist, you have to understand it too. And a lot of journalists don't, is the truth. They just use these terms yeah. and don't really find out the first principles of what they all mean. Um, and so I think it's very, very good as a training ground because it makes you really understand. You know, if you go and cover, I went to cover the Yugoslav wars, the breakup of Yugoslavia or the US elections or, you know, really complex stories. If you can explain them to children then that is a very, very good grounding for journalism. So, you know, that's why I think it's produced a lot of quite famous journalists. Whilst at the BBC, you presided over many, many defining live events for our country, but one stands out above the rest. How difficult was it to preside over the funeral of Diana, Princess of Wales? Well, I, I had a relatively small role in that. I was just one of the reporters standing on the mall outside Buckingham Palace with the crowds. Um, and I was actually in America. I was in California when, when Princess Diana died. And, um, and I came back a few days later and covered the sort of the, the public reaction, you know, the sort of the hysteria outside Westminster Abbey every night and then the... Then the funeral, and it was obviously it was it wasn't. You're right. It was a very defining moment in modern British history, in that it was the first time we'd seen this kind of public outpouring of emotion and grief, and 
also fury with institutions. You know, there was that moment of real anger yeah. with with the Queen and the royal family over their reaction. And all of this was kind of spilling out in a way, sort of, you know, the end of deference to all those things. Um, which, I mean, I, you know, certainly happened before in history. But in modern history, it was, you know, a defining, a defining time, certainly. So, I mean, I found it really interesting. And... Um, I don't, I don't think it's the hardest thing I've ever done, to be perfectly honest, but it was, it was a fascinating thing to have been part of. Do you think it was difficult for the BBC to get that right? Um, I think it's hard for the BBC to get any big story right in everyone's minds because everybody owns the BBC, if you like, in their own mind. Mm. The BBC is everybody's broadcaster. Every, you know, we all pay our licence fee, and so we feel we, it's ours. Um, and so it's always hard and it's much hard I think it's much harder now to be perfectly honest for the BBC than it was back then because I think even you know back then um, the trust levels for the BBC were incredibly high but it was before the era of social media so it was quite hard to to publicly criticize the BBC yeah. um, you know people used to write in letters or you'd ring in um, to the switchboard and asked to be put through to the, you know, the audience reaction line, um, and we would get a report of that the next day. But there was no nothing like the kind of immediate audience reaction to broadcasting that there is now. So I think compared to today, it was it was relatively easy. Um, but it's always hard to get the tone right on those things. But I mean. I, I think it, those sorts of state occasions. BBC just kind of does it because yeah. it's got it's got it's got it in it in its DNA, and there are people who have spent years and years and years working up through different levels of, you know, public occasion, public events, dealing with the royal family. Yeah. So it's got a lot of it's got a lot of background in that. So I think I think it was kind of okay. I think it's much harder for other broadcasters because we don't have the same kind of mm. tradition of covering those sorts of big big events. So you don't necessarily have the staff who are used to dealing with the palace and dealing with, you know, all those sorts of things yeah. uh, in, the, in the same way. Speaking of live events, uh, every journalist usually has their own story of election night. As a reporter, tell us a little bit about the process of waiting for those all-important results. Um, well, it's really odd as a reporter, often, if you're in a constituency because you're just waiting for your result and the story of the night is happening somewhere else and you're not really part of it. So I've done a couple of elections when I was at the BBC and um, I didn't particularly enjoy it because you feel quite disconnected from watching the whole story unravel. The, the one that was really memorable was 1997 and I had a sort of a roving uh, job on that election night which was to go to parties which was a really good fun job and so I you know I would go to Geoffrey Archer's house and he used to have an election night party full of conservative grandees um, and we went down to Covent Garden and met a bunch of sort of lefty theatre people and went to um, the flower market in the morning and just went to lots of places where sort of people were gathering and sort of absorbing the results as they came in and that for me was much more fun because I could be part of the bigger picture. Uh, and the reaction to what was happening, which was this mm. 
extraordinary change uh, and landslide in, in, in British politics. So that was really fun. Are you constantly on call around a time like that or is there a set kind of um, I mean, week you do? Or? In practice you're kind of on call all the time. Yeah. Every day. It's just non-stop. Um, but you don't get called that often you know I mean but you you know you have to change your plans I mean you know this morning I got a call saying can you go to Wales tonight like, yeah all right fine I didn't have any plans tonight as it was I won't get home until after midnight now but you know so um, that's just kind of fairly routine and then if something big happens abroad you might just get a call saying can you jump on a plane yeah um, so we don't have sort of set times on call it's no. just that you're always on call you don't always have to do it, you know, it's yeah. usually a request, it's like, are you available to go to such and such? And if, if I've got a doctor's appointment or a big family yeah, occasion course, or something yeah. like that, then I will say, well, actually, I'm busy, I can't do that. But, you know, usually the reporter's instinct is if, if it's a big story, you want to go. You want to get on it. In 1998, you swapped sides and began life as a newsreader for Channel 4 News. It's an age-old question, but what do you think are the main differences between BBC News and ITN? Well, the, the BBC is an enormous news organisation, and it's a huge bureaucracy. It's got huge layers of management, lots and lots of different policies. Um, that makes it innately sort of slow to react, I think, mm -hmm. uh, and slow to take big decisions. Um, it's quite cautious. Um, you know, the BBC regards its responsibility you know, very highly, and nobody wants to take the blame. Nobody wants to be the manager who was responsible for the screw-up. And so what that means is you get layers and layers of managers who all want to kind of either defer the decision and refer it up, or um, or don't really want to do anything too, too, too dangerous, because they would just quite like to carry on until they get to their pension. Um, an organisation like this is very, very small and exists and survives in a completely different way. We, we survive by breaking stories, by making impact, by making noise, by creating trouble. Um, and so the, the instincts of the two organisations are quite different. You know, I'm not saying the BBC is ultimately safe and doesn't break stories, because it does, but it has a, a different approach to it, I think. And um, it's just an enormous giant, yeah. you know. We're, we're, a, we're a tiny little minnow compared to the blue whale of the BBC mm. news organisation. And if you think about our impact, you it's know, very we, we punch well above our weight. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you now find yourself alongside the great Jon Snow for the Channel 4 Nightly News. What have you learned about news presenting since working closely with him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could be cruel, um, but I won't be. Um, uh, I think the thing that... I think the thing I've probably learned most from John is, as a broadcaster, um, you know, he's, he's very warm and people like him. Um, and, and John wants to be liked. I'm a bit different in that I, I don't particularly feel the need to be liked by my audience. Yeah. It's nice to be liked. And, you know, um, you know, it's nice when people come up to you and say they like what you do. But, um, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more awkward and <laughs> um, prepared to be a bit more difficult um, and don't mind you know I don't mind just some, sometimes you know you, you'll, you'll be sitting down in front of 
a very nice person who you like and don't want to upset, but you have to ask them a tough question. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, th I think I'm... Would you say you would ask that, whereas John... I'm not sure that John wouldn't. It's just that John has a different approach. Yeah. I think John has a different approach. Um, and he's, he's a very... Uh, he's a very warm broadcaster, and I think that's probably what I've learned most from him. When we interviewed Michael Howard, he said that about David Frost. Yeah. 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 He said that he was yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Charming. Yeah. yeah. Cool, okay. Uh, beyond the news, you've also fronted Channel 4's investigative uh, documentary series, Unreported World. How does this satisfy, uh, satisfy the nature and the natural journalist in you? Unreported World is, is, is one of the things I really love doing. You know, it's, 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 it's sometimes the thing I have the most fun in my, in my job doing because you really go to, you know, the most difficult, far out places and do stories that other people aren't telling. Um, and so it's taken me to Venezuela and uh, Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, Yemen, uh, Yemen twice in fact. Um, and uh, we've, you know, really, really done some amazing stories. So I love it. I, I also love it because when you do the news, you know, you have to you have to be on every night and you have to be if you're sent somewhere, if you're sent to Syria or wherever it might be, you've got to find stories for every night yeah. um, or, you know, every other night at least. And when I go to do Unreported World, I can just immerse myself in something for two weeks. And all I have to worry about is what I what I come out with at the end. Yeah. So I'm, it's a very different way of thinking, and it's a different way of doing your journalism. It's just a longer longer form way of doing it, and um, it's a nice sort of it's a breather. It's a breather from the sort of the relentlessness of the news to be able to think about something for a bit longer. Yeah. Uh, looking back at your career, what is your proudest achievement? I never have an answer for that. You know, people say, what's your favourite story or anything like that. I think probably the thing I'm most proud of in recent years is having gone to Yemen um, and told the story of how children are starving there. Because um, very, very few people got into Yemen and have got into Yemen over the last two or three years and we, we did and we got amazing ability to travel and move and see things that most journalists who, who get to go to Yemen just don't get to see um, and so I'm, I'm very pleased with that film I mean I, I wish I wish it had more profile than it had got I mean we came back and we led Channel 4 News actually with our material for two nights I think because it was so strong I came back and said we can't wait for this material to go out on unreported world, we've got to get it out now because this is, a, you know, it's an emergency. So, um, so I think that probably in recent times is the one that I kind of think, well, I'm glad we did that. I mean, I've done lots of things that I really liked doing, and I'm very pleased that we got to do before other people. You know, there are things in Syria that I've done that other people haven't been able to do, but I think there are lots of journalists operating in Syria and doing lots and lots of amazing things, and I think um, Yemen is a really unreported story. So. I'm particularly glad we did that. Okay, last but not least, um, what's next for Krishnan Guru Murphy? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, we sort of take things as we go. I launched my own podcast yeah. um, last year, Ways to Change the World, which has been brilliant and which has been a really nice 
departure for me because it's a different kind of interview. You know, normally my news interviews are quite challenging and quite tough. The Ways to Change the World interview is a much more exploratory, discursive, um, you know, gentle interview by comparison. And that's been really interesting doing that kind of uh, thing. Um, I don't know what this year holds. I mean, you know, Brexit defines everything at the moment. Um, and I've been doing some debates for Channel 4 about Brexit in the last sort of couple of months. So I think we want to do more of that. We want to do more big events, uh, you know, around these big turbulent times that we live in to try and explain what's going on. Because I think that's the really alarming thing, you know, the amount that people still don't understand. You know, my, with my news round hat on, I think Brexit is really badly explained I was to say most this. people, you know, and I think the level of understanding. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, people aren't clever enough to get it or anything like that. I mean, the level of understanding amongst politicians is very low as well, because it's so complicated. But because it's so complicated, I think we really need to try very, very hard to explain it. And I think it's, it's the same problem I was saying to you about Newsround, which is that a lot of journalists don't really get it. So they just use, you know, we talk about things without really understanding what it's all about. And um, so I think, I think that, that's what we need to spend a lot more time on this year, explaining to people what's going on. Great. <laughs> no, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming up from the Isle of Wight. Thank you very much to our guests for being the subject to another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates on forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.